Hello and welcome to That Agri-Food Podcast. My name is Ashley Hassan and I am today joined by Dr. Jonathan Burney, Dr. Ryan Law and Mr. Owen Lucas. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Great to see you all looking so fine. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of nutrition uh, in agriculture. So just to put all our cards on the table, Ryan is here because he's a genius. He's part of the Bernie Consultancy team, but he also runs an innovative animal nutrition company called AnuPro. He's, he is our subject expert for today. So Ryan, why is nutrition so important? You take the, the animal production sector, resource use efficiency is, is top of the agenda for everybody. And that's not just from a, an economic perspective, but it's also from an environmental perspective. And to optimize that, we, we need to ensure that we have good rumen function and ruminants to, to allow good nutrient utilization and efficient production. And we want to utilize the products that we have to the best of our ability. So it's good for the sector overall. Absolutely. The big thing, I suppose, at the minute is the environment. The agriculture sector especially is being challenged on a lot of environmental sustainability issues. Is there any way that nutrition can help with this? Yes, absolutely. So methane production is is high on the agenda. But I suppose from an environmental perspective, we have to take a, a more holistic viewpoint to it. And I suppose that the, the currency that we're, we're now looking at is, is net carbon emissions. So whilst the cow produces in general a lot of methane, that carbon is not adding carbon to the atmosphere because it enters a cycle when it goes into the atmosphere. And that cycle involves that carbon being reabsorbed by the plants that the cow then consumes. So as part of that cycle, the methane production is definitely contributing, but it's not a major issue in terms of the environmental impact. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't look at all nutritional strategies to try and reduce that impact as far as possible. And at a very basic level, improving the efficiency of production, whether you're in beef, or dairy will reduce the amount of methane produced per unit of food produced. So if you take a beef animal, for example, slaughtering a beef animal at 30 months of age compared to 15 months of age, we're going to produce a lot less methane if we slaughter at 15 months of age compared to 30. So there's very simple approaches that farmers can take today to reduce their environmental impact at farm level. Now, nutrition has a major impact on allowing us to do that. So if we want to slaughter our animals earlier in life, we must ensure that the nutritional program that the animals are placed on is one that allows that to happen in a very efficient way. So in terms of planning that out, we are, we're looking at good early life performance. So what we're trying to do is ensure that the animal has the, the nutritional tools there to perform well in early life. And this essentially plans out future performance through the animal's life. So we're upregulating all the genes that produce the animal's own hormones in its body in early life to allow it to grow well throughout its whole life. So one of the limitations of poor nutrition is that we place animals in an environment that's restricting their energy and protein availability. And basically what that does is tell the animal that you're in a nutrient poor environment and that environment then causes the down regulation of hormones etc that potentially can lead to, to, to poor performance. So just to the room we do hear a lot about nutrient loading especially with phosphorus and nitrogen fertilizers and things like that so just from nutrition and from other aspects what effect is this having and what can we do about it? 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is all part of our, our nutrient use efficiency approach. If you, if you look at where nutrition starts, it, it, it really starts with our soils and how reproductive they are in terms of, of producing a, a crop of forage that an animal can eat or a crop of forage that's conserved or crops that are fed to animals. I mean, w- what we're trying to do is, is optimize the nutrient balance within those soils to deliver efficient nutrient usage on a plant. But from a plant perspective, there's no question that access levels of nitrogen and phosphorus are used on the land. And, and it's purely down to maybe the lack of planning when it comes to nutrient utilization. So from a soil perspective, we're definitely look at, looking at evaluating our soils. We're looking at trying to plan out the, nu- the nutrient requirements for a given farm to allow optimization of the application of nutrients to deliver the amount of production that we want. Johnny, I don't know why you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I suppose any question of this comes back to soil, really. And we're looking really at, at two things here. We're, we're looking at understanding where our soils are at, at the minute and understanding what needs to go on to that soil to, to actually optimise the production that, that Ryan's talking about. So first thing I suppose, we're trying to actually maximise the growth of animals from actually the product that we grow, particularly when it comes to ruminants. That might, uh, particularly, obviously, grass in itself. And if you can then essentially look at that soil, optimise what's going in, you will end up with a cycle that is more efficient. Now, the challenge that's coming at the minute is that there's quite a lot of artificial fertiliser use, which has a high environmental cost because of, of, of the production system that it has. And I think most of us in this room would argue that the level of fertiliser use actually isn't necessary because we already have a, a really good product for, for fertilizing ground, which is called slurry. And analyzing our ground, analyze our, our slurry, and understanding what we have and using it appropriately can actually improve performance and actually reduce the costs that we have associated with bringing in artificial fertilizer. So I'm pretty excited about where we're going in the future because I think the whole environmental improvement aspect along with improved performance, a lot of the time dovetails together. And, and that's really where we're trying to get. And this is, again, why obviously Ryan's talking about nutrition today, because obviously one of the things we want to do, even with a slurry, is to reduce the unnecessary amount of nutrients that are in there. Hence, we're talking sort of the nitrogen and, and, and perhaps additional protein that sometimes um, is excreted by the animals because they don't use it. And that's actually something I'm just going to maybe ask a quick question to Ryan about now. We hear a lot, Ryan, about low protein diets and we hear, you know, about them being implemented in some quite intensive as well as extensive situations. What's your opinion on that? What's the cost implications? Is there a performance hit or is it is it all optimised? What's your view? I think it's 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 a very good point you make, Jonathan. Protein in, in my book is a very dangerous product. It's essential, but absolutely overused 95% of the time. So if you take a ruminant animal, for example, and you feed access protein to that ruminant animal, essentially what happens is that protein is degraded in the rumen. The ammonia produced in the rumen then diffuses out into the blood. And that ammonia in the blood is a toxin. And the liver has to work extremely hard, utilizing energy that would otherwise go towards the immune system or growth to get rid of that ammonia and convert it into urea, which is then excreted. Yeah, so, so what you're actually basically saying is we're paying additional money for a product that is, that is probably overspecced, that's then costing growth rather than improving it. So it's not a question of 
protein is good for animals, therefore lots more of it must be even better. It's, it's not like that at all. It's not like that at all, absolutely. So if, if you take a, a diet that an animal gets, essentially what you're trying to do is formulate that ration so there's enough energy in there to utilize the protein that the animal's getting. And you match the types of energy you give the animal up to the types of protein in terms of how quickly the energy sources ferment and how quickly the protein sources degrade. And that will give you good optimization of, of protein use. But as I said before, 95% of the time, there's a lot of excess protein in the rumen and that excess protein goes out into the blood and is wasted and is actually costing the animal energy. Yeah. And it is, it's a tricky balance, but I mean, you're on farm many days a week, um, Ryan, giving advice on this. So how do you, how do you go about this with the farm unit um, when, when you're looking to formulate a ration? How do you know how much protein to use? I mean, is there a simple rule of thumb? Is there a calculator? How, how do you do it? Yeah, well, I use a feed program to formulate rations. And, and basically what you're trying to do is look at the, I suppose, digestibility of the proteins that are going into the animal and then formulate a ration to ensure that there's enough digestible energy there that you're not limiting the amount of digestible protein that's utilized. There's lots of different programs out there for this purpose. But what I would say is that what I see on farm is that energy is actually the number one limiting factor as opposed to protein. Okay, and, and so... What, is, what does that look like on a farm then? So, so what you're saying is you need both both products in balance. Correct. Um, but what, what you seem to be saying to me there is then, I mean, if, if energy is a limiting factor and, and protein's okay, actually all of that protein won't be used anyway, so it'll be excreted. So actually it's a question of optimizing the maximum level of protein and then the amount of energy that's necessary to do that for production. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's key. It's, it's, it's interesting. And then in your perspective, then, you know, we, we know that the farming is working towards improving its, its, its environmental record. We're working towards carbon net zero. We're, we're, we're trying to, to obviously, I suppose, get to the point where we're actually enhancing the environment. But this seems to be a fairly key component. I mean, I mean, is that your, your, your thinking? Absolutely. I mean, it's unbelievable how how much excess protein animals are consuming every single day by just simply fixing a few low-hanging fruit in terms of formulation of rations, we can we can actually improve the nitrogen utilization efficiency dramatically and improve the performance of the animals dramatically just through making some small changes to what we're currently doing. Right. So let's, let's take it let's just take a wee bit of a, a look at it here. You, you mean typical sort of slaughter age for a for beef animal over here, what is it, 26, 27 months, something like that? Yeah. Let's take the average animal then um, on an average diet. If somebody took a close look at it and actually reformulated it to the exact spec and kept changing the diet over time gradually to match the growth pattern of the animal, what age could you finish an animal at here? Well, there's two different types of cattle. So your dairy origin cattle, you'd have no problem at all finishing a dairy origin steer or heifer at 13, 14, 15 months of age on the right nutritional program. For continental animals that really have the genetic potential to grow a lot of lean tissue, I mean, those animals, for example, male like steers could be finished at 12 months of age without any issue at all. And heifers could be finished at 14, 15 months of age, again, without much issue. There's a lot of potential in these animals. And actually what we would end up doing is producing a far more consistent product for the consumer and deliver not only on our environmental credentials, but also on our consistency and quality credentials credit credentials as well for, yeah. for the, the consumer yeah because that's certainly right actually i mean one of the one of the big variants in terms of meat tenderness and things is the age of the animal um and and, and the widely varying ages tend to lead to different levels of toughness so if we can narrow that down Absolutely. we're improving quality as well so we're making the environment better we're making the farmer's pocket better and we're making the consumer happier so it's kind of a win-win-win 
it's, it's a win-win situation and, and one that farmers apply at a practical level on the farm can actually be economically beneficial as well. Yeah, well, where I'm interested, I mean, one of the challenges that we have, Ryan, is over here, and, and to a degree elsewhere in Ireland and, and also in, in, in the UK or GB, quite a lot of small farms, small number of animals, does it justify nutritionists coming in or, or how, how can you work out, how do you square that circle? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. A large number of small farms makes driving that consistency of a, of a production protocol into place very difficult. But from a, from a farmer's perspective, there's lots of general practices out there that can improve the efficiency of, of, of nutrient utilization. And that, for example, strip grazing grassland or, or rotational grazing grassland can improve forage utilization and the quality of the forage. And I appreciate that grass is very high in nitrogen. There will be some excess nitrogen there, but high quality grass is also very fermentable in terms of an energy source as well. So the better quality of the grass that you have for the animals, the more nitrogen you're going to capture in the rumen. And this will lead to improve, improved efficiencies. So you, your grazing strategy is one thing that you can definitely look at. And then your, your supplement strategy after that. So at the tail end of the year, for example, coming into August, September, where the days are getting shorter and nights are cooler, supplementing the animals at grass will definitely ease that transition to moving into the house. And then when the animals come inside, ensuring that that nutritional balance is, is corrected and essentially giving the animals the tools they need to perform at a very high level. So you've raised a really interesting thing there that, that is, is definitely bugbear for this industry, um, which, which is about grass utilisation, particularly in beef. I mean, there's some AFP figures that, that clearly show that while dairy farmers are performing quite well, they're still only producing maybe two thirds of the grass they could from their land. But beef farmers are producing possibly a third. And a lot of that's down to sort of grazing techniques where we're set, set stocking rather than strip grazing. So what you're saying is that actually the strip grazing stops the poaching, stops land damage, allows you to grow more grass, it allows you to use less concentrate. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if your grass quality is maintained at a very high level, the additional nutrient, nutrient requirement of the animal is much less. So if, if, you, if you have high quality forage that an animal is grazing on a regular basis, the fermentable energy there is very high, the available nitrogen obviously is very high, and the animals will perform much better. And, you're, and you'll be getting far better utilization of your forage as well. So there's one thing growing forage in terms of the potential of, of, a, of a given area of land, but there's another aspect of it, and that's the forage utilization at field level. So if you have a very well-managed grazing platform, your forage utilization will be high. Whereas if you go down a set stocking route, your forage utilization will be very low. And it's about trying to maximize that efficiency of forage utilization. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I suppose one of the, the key concerns that sort of those researching sort of the environmental side would raise is around actually us bringing in quite a lot of cereal, which is then fed to animals, which is then put out a slurry, and we're actually continuing to, to increase the amount of nutrients on our land. So what what you're almost saying is here that well, with beef, dairy, and sheep in particular, we have a way out here where continuing to brew grass utilization sort of reduces dependence on, 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 on concentrates. It also allows us to utilize what's in the soil and not reload it with an external source as well as slurry. It seems to me that there's a couple of topics here that probably should be explored further. I definitely agree with you, and actually there's probably more than that. Um, I, I mean, from my perspective, and Ryan will come in a minute, but you know, would love to explore the soils thing further because that's, that's actually quite important. There's also probably in my mind, something looking at around you know, are just whole feed systems and food system. 
as to where, where we source and how we grow. And there's other interesting things around, around even consumer and societal response to that. So in my mind, there's certainly a few things that I think we'll explore over the next few weeks in a new podcast. Don't know what you think, Ryan. I'm sure you have others you would add. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much detail in this topic that we could probably talk for, for weeks on it, but I totally agree that there's a number of issues here that we could explore in much more detail over the next period of time. Yeah, so I guess, guess actually then we'll, we'll, it looks like we're going to produce a list here and we're just going to work through them then. And we'll, we'll, we'll start with soils and go from there. That sounds good to me, Johnny. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this podcast. I just want to thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.